Hi, and thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your host, Nicole. You're listening to the first season of Perfectionist. So again, thanks for joining us today. And we just want to let you guys know that you know, this book, it is gut-wrenching one, and um, we just want to kind of do a little bit of a trigger warning for certain topics, you know, listener's discretion is advised, all that sort of stuff. It's mature content, etc., etc. So if you're not into hearing some kind of adult topics and maybe even some upsetting ones, I'd recommend maybe just skipping or at least just be aware. This is also a spoiler warning. <laughs> this is the heavy spoilers episode of The Seven Husbands by, uh, or The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. If you haven't read it yet and you don't want to have any thing revealed or spoiled for you, we'd recommend that you go ahead and check out last week's episode, the non-spoiler version for this book. Aging and reclusive Hollywood movie icon Evelyn Hugo is finally ready to tell the truth about her glamorous and scandalous life. When she chooses unknown magazine reporter Monique Grant for the job, no one in the journalism community is more astounded than Monique herself. Why her? Why now? Monique is not exactly on top of the world. Her husband, David, has left her, and her career is stagnated. Regardless of why Evelyn has chosen her to write her biography, Monique is determined to use this opportunity to jumpstart her career. Summoned to Evelyn's Upper East Side apartment, Monique listens as Evelyn unfurls her story. From making her way to Los Angeles in the 1950s, to her decision to leave show business in the late 80s, and of course, the seven husbands along the way. As Evelyn's life unfolds, revealing a ruthless ambition, an unexpected friendship, and a great forbidden love, Monique begins to feel a very real connection to the actress. But as Evelyn's story catches up with the present, it becomes clear that her life intersects with Monique's own in a tragic and irreversible way. At the beginning, uh, we are introduced to our main character named Monique Grant. She's a magazine reporter. She's a writer. And she is given the opportunity to write the biography of an extremely famous actress called Evelyn Hugo. Mm-hmm. And she's not quite sure why she was selected. That seems to be the big question of the entire book is why does she get picked out of all the different writers uh, that could have been chosen? She's pretty up and coming, doesn't mm -hmm. have a lot of writing under her belt so far. And she's kind of got this dilemma as well, because the offer is not for her through her publication or through the agency she works for. The offer is for her to write a book published by her. Evelyn did approach her magazine that she's writing for under the sort of guise that 
it was going to be for the publication, but that Mm -hmm. she would only do it if Monique was the one to write it. But then when Monique got there, Evelyn was like, oh no, like, Mm -hmm. screw them. I want you to write this for me. (laughs) Yeah, and it's not just an article in your newspaper or whatever you work for, magazine. It's a memoir. She wants Monique to write an actual memoir for her to be released after her demise. Yes. Um, And so the magazine that Monique works for is called Vivant. And I guess it's a pretty, yeah, Vivant. Sounds fancy. (laughs) Fancy. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's, it seems to be quite a big, important magazine in this Mm -hmm. world. I'm getting like Vogue vibes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it is mentioned at the beginning that Monique is half black Mm -hmm. and that her boss Frankie is black as well Mm -hmm. and this is kind of important to note (laughs) um Monique is kind of going through some personal struggles of her own she's just recently separated from her husband she's been so down about it she's really like coming across as someone who's not very sure of herself someone who's obviously not feeling that good about her life situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So for her, like, I think somebody who's sitting there, you know, trying to make their way in their chosen career. And like you said, she's up and coming. I think it would be even more bewildering to have this enormous celebrity be like, no, I want you and only you. And you're just sitting there going, me why me right yeah and she tries to justify it she's like oh I did do that one piece about something that she might have found interesting so maybe that's why she's calling me and Mm -hmm. but it's she's definitely someone who wants to make a name for herself Monique is someone who wants to make a name for herself but is still finding her footing and yeah just I think it's kind of a recent she's recently moved to Vivant and is kind of finding her place there and yeah. Trying to get bigger stories. So this is her big break, potentially. Yeah. And it is also implied that she is a very talented writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wrote an article previously. And this is, I think, the only way she can reconcile why Evelyn has chosen her is that, she, oh, she must have read this article that I wrote. Mm-hmm. And it um, she it was on a really tough topic. So, mm-hmm. but she handled it really beautifully. Mm-hmm. And so... That's kind of like, you know, it's not the reason Evelyn chose her because you're like, there's got to be something more. But at the same mm-hmm. time, there's no other like reason forthcoming. So then at least for myself, I was kind of like, well, wow, like, geez, I almost want to read this article that made Evelyn <laughs> choose her, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. No, we definitely get the sense that she is a talented writer. So then we kind of start learning about Evelyn because... It's, well, hang on, let's just rewind a bit. So she wants to do this uh, biography. She wants Monique to write this biography, right? Mm -hmm. But she doesn't want Vivant to be the one who benefits from it. She wants Monique to benefit from it, which is really weird, right? Because it's like like she's going to make millions off this book. Millions of dollars. Because Evelyn Hugo has never done an in-depth interview about her life. Like a tell-all. Ever. Mm -hmm. she's a very private private person 
Yes. So this is major and setting Monique up for life if she were to accept. So she has this ultimate decision she needs to make at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Is she going to go behind Levant's back and per- basically pretend to be getting this article for them? But really, she's spending all this time on company's money or like on company time. On company she's time. getting yeah. a story that she's going to publish personally. Yeah. And I think and that's she, some, something she struggles with, like morally. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Which is so interesting because that's kind of a, that struggle is addressed actually fairly, I would say fairly early on in the story as she starts to make uh, quite a few decisions yeah. throughout the story about like how she far she's going to take it. Yeah, she does. And yeah, Evelyn at the beginning, I'm just remembering this now, like she was so, well, she was so Evelyn about it. <laughs> she's yeah. very like cunning. She's very strong willed. Um, she's very like ap- unapologetic about who she is. She's a bit of an intimidating presence. She's a go-getter. At this point in her life, she <laughs> knows exactly who she is and how to get what she wants. I mean, I even feel that when she was a teen, she may not have known who she was, but she mm-hmm. knew how to go and get what she wanted. So her first husband, Ernie Diaz, mm-hmm. was actually married to her under the false pretenses that she was older than she was. She yes. lied to him about her age. So he actually married her like she was underage when he married her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she basically married him to get out of her dad's house because her mom had passed and she was living with her dad who wasn't a great guy and she wanted a way out. She wanted a way – I think she lived in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. And she's like, this isn't the life I want. Like, I'm destined for great things. Like, Evelyn knew this about herself from a young age. And she married kind of the first man who could take her out of the situation she was currently in. Yes. And he was an electrician <laughs> and he, he, he was so clueless about Evelyn. He had no idea that she was younger. Like she, she was never like in love with him. Like she used him. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually she is, <laughs> she ends up basically deciding to leave him because she gets this opportunity like mm-hmm. well I want to say she gets this opportunity she creates opportunities for herself she doesn't nothing falls yes. into her lap like she works mm-hmm. she's very smart and cunning and she gets the opportunity to kind of leave Ernie to pursue her acting career yes she because they move out to Los Angeles her and Ernie and they she starts acting and when an opportunity arises, she jumps on it. And she mm-hmm. transforms herself completely in this time period because mm-hmm. she is from her ancestry and the story is from Cuba, like her family's Cuban. Mm-hmm. And so she's a Latina. And she ends up, because typically dark hair, darker features, and she completely transforms herself. Blonde hair bombshell. That's kind of, yeah. that was her her image was like a sex symbol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's referred to a lot throughout the story as a sex pot. <laughs> mm-hmm. That seems to be the word they like to use to describe her. Yeah. I think very Marilyn Monroe-esque in that sense. Yeah. So she 
so the way that she kind of gets into the acting world is like not like she's going to auditions and stuff. She's actually like waitressing at this little like restaurant or cafe or whatever. And mm-hmm. or just like hanging for first of all, she was just hanging out there, like hoping <laughs> to run into the right people. And then they're like, if you're going to be here so much, like you should be working. So then she like picked up a waitressing job. <laughs> and then eventually she was like waiting on the right tables. And then that's how she kind of like snuck in. Yeah. I wonder if that was just playing off the classic trope of waitress becomes actress and Could just be. really leaning into really leaning that into kind it. of stereotype. Yeah, it could be. Um, so then she goes on to meet, um, Don Adler. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like the Nepo baby of the story. His yeah. parents were really big in Hollywood and he's trying to make a name for himself. So it's almost like a plan was devised that up and coming Evelyn and wanting to make his own name for himself, Don, if they can get together, they would be like the young power couple. Totally. And he is, she actually falls in love with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he makes her feel things she hasn't felt before because she's been mentioning like she, she has like a rack on her. Yes. She's very <laughs> and, well endowed. And she, she's very well endowed. Um, so like back then, you know, like the chest was, a you know, the, the larger the bosoms, the better and the butt, the smaller, the better. And so she had like, she described herself as like having no butt and she had a massive chest and Mm -hmm. all of this was, she knew this, she knew she was like gorgeous. And in fact, before she was even interested in anything like, but while she still felt childish, she had started to develop and notice that all the men were looking at her. Mm-hmm. But she's, like I said many times, she's cunning. So she realized that, like, her body is a tool that she can use to get what she wants. Yes. And she definitely took advantage of that and was like, hey, if people are going to sexualize me, then I might as well get paid for it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So she never viewed sex as a loving act. She always mm-hmm. just viewed it as, like, a transaction-type experience. Yeah. And unfortunately with Dawn, although she loved him very much, their relationship was not a happy one. He was a very abusive husband. He didn't actually show that though until after they were married. Mm-hmm. So like it was they a got slow progression. It was. And yeah, he ended up abusing her like physically, like hitting mm-hmm. her. And I think the cycle of abuse was very well documented in the story in the sense of how it mimicked like the reality of what that cycle can look like and the whole like leading up to the abuse, the abuse, the apology afterwards, all the gifts, the love bombing, the love bombing, and then the continuation of that cycle. And I think that it was very well done in showing why someone who's in that situation tends to stay within that cycle until they're able to find a reason to leave or are able to leave. Lots of times it's not even a reason. It's a, it's not safe to. It, so. That seems to be what it is most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought it was very well handled, that situation and how it was described in the mm-hmm. book. I thought so too. 
And the only reason she was able to, or not was able to, but the, I guess, catalyst for her leaving motivation was her relationship with Celia. Yeah. She starts to develop a really strong friendship. Yeah. So Celia St. James is a fellow actress and Mm. Evelyn describes her as like a, so she, she in the book had gotten this part in Little Women and Celia mm-hmm. St. James got the part of Beth in Little Women. And literally all the other actors, actresses on the film that were going to be working on that film, once they heard Celia St. James was going to be in it, everyone was like PO'd because they were mm-hmm. like, oh, she's going to steal the spotlight because she's such an amazing actress, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. They were so like, they were so selfishly annoyed. <laughs> yeah. And, um, But anyways, Evelyn ends up – so Celia kind of – when they their first kind of like interaction in the story, she wants to go get ice cream with Evelyn. And Mm -hmm. so she's like suggesting this place where it's like known that the paparazzi is going to like photograph them there. So it's like Evelyn is really annoyed because she's like, Mm -hmm. how dare you try to use me? Like I'm the one who uses people. (laughs) So she kind of calls Celia out on what she's doing and, mm-hmm. and she she forces them to go to a different ice cream location. <laughs> mm-hmm. But she does kind of strike up a deal. It's like, you're using me? Okay, let's make this a transaction. Mm-hmm. So Evelyn kind of is like, how can I use this to my benefit as well? And instead of being enemies and go against each other, they're like, let's use our friendship together. to each of our advantages. So the deal is, is that Celia will help Evelyn learn to act better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She'll like, just like, yeah, coach her kind of, I guess. And Evelyn will help Celia become more famous. (laughs) Yeah. So. Yeah, no, it worked well. It did. It worked out really well. And because, and Celia ends up kind of saying something, I can't exactly remember what it was, but it's like she had her hackles up and she sort of said something to Evelyn that was kind of like, oh, but Mm -hmm. it made Evelyn respect her. Yeah. And then they ended up becoming like really close friends. Mm -hmm. And she actually ends up leaving Dawn because she starts not only developing a strong friendship with Celia, but she starts feeling romantic feelings for her as well Mm -hmm. and she's not quite sure what is happening like she's not sure what the feelings mean Mm -hmm. but she can feel them and her and Evelyn sorry Evelyn and Celia end up sharing a kiss and after that kiss they that's when she leaves Dawn there's another bad moment with him and she's like I'm done and goes and kind of stays with Celia and they stay as as friends so to everyone else in the world they're just best friends hanging out all the time inseparable but behind closed doors they're starting to explore this romantic relationship yeah and as it turns out like celia is a lesbian she's not Mm -hmm. bisexual she's an actual lesbian you know whereas evelyn it seems it seems like maybe she's bisexual yeah i think she identifies in that way because she truly did love dawn but recognized that that relationship was not healthy and chose to leave him. Mm -hmm. So as the story progresses, Evelyn's story, that is, as it progresses, um, 
they're always fighting back against like what's being written about them, trying to protect their reputations. Like back in that day, um, like same sex stuff was like hugely taboo. So they end up, it's, it's almost like people are starting to suspect things Mm -hmm. between her and Celia. So Evelyn has to come up with a plan to completely like, deflect away like make everyone like completely just drop that and focus on something else Mm -hmm. so she so there's this guy who has like this huge crush on her this other celebrity he's like a like a um, rock star a rock star (laughs) yes thank Mm you (laughs) a band guy (laughs) yeah (laughs) a a rock star (laughs) and uh he's he's like made it publicly known that he's got this big crush on her Mm -hmm. and so she talks over her plan with Celia like I'm gonna like seduce him or whatever and then we'll go get married in Vegas and then everybody's gonna be like oh my god talking about like Evelyn Hugo married yet again in Vegas Mm -hmm. but to this rock star everybody will be talking about that and not the fact that like her and Celia seem to be really close yeah and she does that she goes to Vegas as she plants a seed and he is like we should get married and she's like oh wow how unexpected yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like and she's a good actor <laughs> she is yeah and they get married and she feels as though they need to have sex in order for him to get over it because she knows guys and in her experience once they have what they want they don't want it anymore. Mm-hmm. So she's like, if I just sleep with him, give him what he wants, then we can get an annulment and he won't want me anymore. He'll, you know, have gotten be, what he yeah, actually truly bored. desires. And when they exactly. when they do have sex, she just lays there like mm-hmm. not participating, making it like as boring as she can for him kind of thing. Yes. Like, so he doesn't she, want she, it again. Yeah. She wanted to like make him think like he'd – oh, this is going to be amazing, and then it wasn't. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that he completely just loses interest in her, and it works. Yeah. So everything goes according to Evelyn's plan, except for the one thing she didn't plan for is how upset Celia was going to be at the fact that she has just slept with a man. And this becomes like a huge contentious point throughout their their relationship. And Celia is like, no, I can't do this. You you cheated on me. Yeah, so... She actually ended up pregnant from that little right. from that little tryst that she had, um, and that's how Celia found out. I believe is she was like, "I'm pregnant," and she's like, "What? You slept with him?" Like, and Evelyn thought that they were on the same page that she like mm-hmm. knew she'd have to do this, and they have this huge fight. Like, well, it was implied. Well, like, uh, you know, Celia understandably felt very betrayed, right? Mm-hmm. And she really struggles with like she's not as cold and calculating as Evelyn is like Evelyn's ruthless like let's put it that Mm -hmm. way she's ruthless and she will do whatever she needs to to get what she wants and to her that was another just necessary step to take in order to protect her relationship with Celia but Celia sees it more as she was cheated on right Mm -hmm. no that was it was so sad. I, yeah, that was a really sad moment for me in the book. Cause it's like, you feel like, oh, she's maybe getting things on track. You know, obviously something's going to happen because she has seven husbands and we're only yes. on three, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's a little, it was a little sad to see that 
backfire on her because she truly was trying to do the right thing. She just went about it the wrong way. Yeah, and I, I honestly don't know what she could have done differently. Yeah, she had she like foresaw every outcome except Celia being upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and I when it maybe. comes to Celia, she has a big blind spot. I feel probably mm-hmm. because she loves her so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And I'm not even sure like a conversation about the reality of what would have to happen would have worked because Celia probably would have just said, "Don't do it in the first place." Yeah. So. Yeah. Sometimes things have to just work out the way they work out. Yeah. I, I When I was reading that part, I don't know how you felt, but when I was reading the whole her going to Vegas with Mick and everything, like I was just, it felt so icky and I was like, oh, this is so no, gross. I think it was very, portrayed very well in the sense that it made you feel gross to read it. And I think that was the yeah. point is that well, this yeah. was not a loving relationship. This was a very gross transaction that yes. was happening and for was, love yeah but. for love I know yeah mm-hmm. and yeah I felt bad for both of them <laughs> mm-hmm. oh but the next marriage was a bit happier in, in a way because it was just an agreed upon publicity stunt she ends up marrying Rex North as her fourth has fourth husband and he knows like it's just it's oh, just yeah. On paper. They like They're not actually, it. yeah. Yeah. It's just a contract and it's for what it is, even though it wasn't a love, love filled relationship, it worked for them and what they were kind of aiming to get. And Rex is supposed to be like a super good looking, like everybody wants him. And he comes on to mm-hmm. Evelyn and he's like, are we going to sleep together? And she's like, mm, I don't know. And then he comes on to her and then she's like, no, like, yeah. No. And, and he respects like, oh. it. Yeah, like they actually have an okay. It like for what it is, it it was mm-hmm. it served its purpose. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of a bit of a blah relationship in the grand scheme of things, but I think it's what she kind of needed in that moment of getting the public off her back yeah. and just kind of being able to do her own thing while having that shield up. So we need to rewind a little bit to talk about her best friend, Harry, Harry Cameron. So he is a gay man, but he's like in the closet, obviously, because you have to be back then. And they end up becoming, he's a producer and they end up becoming really close and actually best friends with each other, Mm -hmm. uh, which is great. I believe he was the person who maybe suggested her marriage to Dawn. So he's been with her. Like working from the beginning, from the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So her and Celia had kind of like broken up over the whole Mick thing. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, they, Evelyn misses her so much. It's like gut wrenching to read about like, mm-hmm. she loves her so much, but can't have her. And so she, again, like, okay, like we need to strategically, I need to be married again. <laughs> and Celia is, uh, ends up marrying, um, a football player, isn't it? A football player, isn't it? Named John or something. Yes. <laughs> so she ends up marrying. Oh, yeah. So Harry is in love with who Celia married. Mm-hmm. So Harry uh, needs to, like, and they're, they're like each other's, like, soulmates or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they they need to, like, hide this. So it ends up working out again where, like, Harry and Evelyn get married. So then John and Harry can like be together and nobody's questioning it. 
Mm-hmm. Harry's married to Evelyn Hugo, right? Yeah. And then, and then through this, like, Evelyn and Celia are back together. And they're all kind of like a, a family. Yes. It yeah. worked out perfectly. I believe Celia, John, and Harry were doing sort of the same thing before. So he, Harry and John were dating, mm-hmm. but John was married to Celia and that allowed Celia to do her thing. And yeah. Harry kind of tells Evelyn about the lifestyle that the three of them had created and is like, you can be a part of this too. Yeah. You can have Celia if we get married. I'm not entirely sure who suggested it, but essentially it goes from the three of them having that sort that of lifestyle arrangement to and then yeah, Evelyn jumping in and it being the four of them. So, and this married. is the most like stable marriage that she's had mm-hmm. because it's her best friend. So, you know, and it all works. They're all like a family together. It's really nice. And then this was my favorite part of the whole story was yeah. them. Yeah. A little bubble. Yeah, me too. I really enjoyed that. I, it was the happiest part of the story for me, but I was absolutely devastated. And I actually stopped reading it for a couple of days because I'm like, I know this doesn't, st- like, this isn't the end. Yeah. Because we still have more husbands to go. Yeah. And I was just absolutely dreading the fallout of their happy bubble. And like, Did I you- don't know how this. Did you, when you read how it fell out, were you, what did you feel about that? I was just so devastated that it couldn't just work out and be happy yeah. ever after at that point. Why like, can't it's going we have so nice perfectly. things? Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because it was going so lovely. It was going so well, in fact, that Harry and Evelyn decided to bring a baby into the world as well. And they do it naturally and everyone is – it's a discussion between the four of them because they are – the four of them are a family and it is all agreed upon and everything is – like it's not like one of those sneaky things. It's it's No, everybody knows what's happening and it's intentional and Mm -hmm. – yeah, and and it was, I, I just, that scene where it's Harry's birthday and they go for a picnic in the park and they're all wearing their disguises so nobody recognizes them and yes. they've got Connor with them. Connor is the baby that um, Evelyn had and it's a female but named Connor. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have like this really nice little picnic in the park and then like that scene ends with and that is the like last time we were all happy together and I'm like, no! Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. It was so devastating. I just wanted that story to be the whole story, but it's not. And there's a good reason for it not being. Yeah. And it kind of all comes crashing down when, because Evelyn had sort of taken a back seat when she had Connor from acting and mm-hmm. wanted to kind of jump back into it and like prove that even though she's a mature woman, now she can still. She wasn't thinking about it too much though. It was actually mm-hmm. at Celia's behest. Right. So Celia was like, hey, like you should uh, start acting again. And Evelyn's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think Celia knew it would like mean something to Evelyn to yeah, go back. Totally. But like Evelyn felt all those things regardless, like what you were saying. Mm-hmm. But like that, that was sort of like the trigger to get the ball rolling. And mm-hmm. so Celia was like, I think this part would be perfect for you. It's with Max Gerard. Um, and so earlier on in the story, one of like Evelyn's huge uh, claims to fame, because after she got divorced from Don Adler, he like blacklisted her because like yeah. you said, he's a Nepo baby. And so he had big influence in the Hollywood circles. And so mm-hmm. no one was hiring her anymore. So she actually booked it over to Europe 
and ended yeah. up doing this film called Bouton Tren or something. And she, there, there's like this really tantalizing part where she comes out <laughs> yeah. of the water and like the camera's coming down. And just before you can like see everything on her chest, <laughs> mm-hmm. it cuts away. And that was so scandalous for those times. And people loved her for it. And then she like skyrocketed to fame. So mm-hmm. this this guy, Max, Max Gerard, he's like a French French uh, guy that she has been working with producer director or whatever and she Mm -hmm. he had done that film and so he's doing another film that Celia thinks that the part in it would be perfect for Evelyn so Evelyn agrees and they end up doing this movie and it's a really intense filming schedule and Mm -hmm. she's always coming home late but Celia is being really understanding like everybody's being super supportive and understanding of this And then there's this discussion between her and Max about a scene she needs to do. And she's actually playing opposite her ex-husband, Don. Mm -hmm. At this time, so after she had, well, actually kind of during their marriage, he had started to kind of lean into alcoholism. And then after their marriage, he like, he he was like full-blown alcoholic. And then by the time we come all the way back to this film, he's like kind of gotten that under control and he's, he's no longer drinking and stuff. And he's very like, sorry for how he treated Evelyn and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but she doesn't care about him. She feels nothing towards him. So she's playing opposite of him. They're just acting, right? And her and Max discuss the scene, the, the sex scene that they have to do. Uh, but he wants them to actually look like they're having sex on camera and it needs to be super passionate and they want to make it look like Evelyn's character like is enjoying it is enjoying it like like she like instead of the man taking something from like the the woman it's the woman Mm -hmm. taking something from the man for herself lust wise is the most polite way I can put it because it was put in a different way in the book Mm -hmm. um so she impulsively agrees to the scene without speaking to Celia about it and asking Celia how she would feel which is a massive, massive mistake. And so like, she, you've already made this mistake, Evelyn. Why are you making it again? I, know. I was really frustrated with her in this moment because it's like she did not learn from the whole Vegas trip and she's doing something so similar. Again. In her defense, though, she didn't actually have sex with Dawn and it's yes. just part of a movie and it's acting and it's you're not you're you're not doing it because you want to. You're at work. So mm-hmm. it's it's completely different because you're you're working. In, at least that's how I look at it. You're working. Mm-hmm. Turn that off. Okay. And it even described after she was done, she felt so gross, like just yeah. Bleh. So um, she went home and t- like she picked up Celia some flowers, gave them to Celia, and Celia's like, "What are these for?" And she's like, oh, "I just love you so much, and I wanted to express it with the flowers." <laughs> And so then she's like, I need to talk to you about something. So then they're talking like, and she's like, she's making it sound like it hasn't, she hasn't filmed it yet. Like now is the time they're having the discussion. And at first it almost sounds like Celia's on board with it. And she's like, so relieved, like, oh, I dodged a bullet there. And then Celia's like, no, I can't do it. I just can't. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm failing you, but I can't. And then Evelyn's Mm -hmm. like, I already did it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think with this is it's bringing back the whole point of Celia is a lesbian and Evelyn is bisexual and that's very contentious in the relationship is that I feel like Celia feels as though she needs to compete with men and women 
for Evelyn's yeah. kind of love. I think and- the the impression I was getting too, though, was that Celia almost didn't believe that she liked men and women. Like it was like she thought Evelyn was denying to herself that she was a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so- she couldn't really accept that Evelyn yeah. liked both men and yeah. women. And it, it was just too hard for her to envision Evelyn with men. Yeah. And that seemed to be the bigger problem than the actual lie of not talking to her beforehand. Yeah. Was just this visual image that she has of Evelyn being with a man. Yeah. Yeah. So they end up having, uh, they end up, Celia leaves her actually. Yeah. Oh man. It's awful. Um, So Celia like full on leaves her. And I was actually so like disturbed about that. Cause I was like, but what about, Connor, like you guys are a family mm-hmm. and you're leaving. <laughs> well, and there's four of them. It's like yeah. she's blown up four people's lives. Well, five mm-hmm. if you include Connor. She's blown up all these people's lives because it wasn't just her. And that's why they talk so much about every decision each of them made yeah. beforehand because it's not just one person's life. And this is super hard on Harry because he's with John. Yeah. It's all so very it sad. Was- I think this was my least favorite part of the book. I think even though a lot of other stuff happens that is very impactful, this one just made me so incredibly sad. Whenever there's these moments between Celia and Evelyn in the book, I can, Mm -hmm. it's done so well because we're getting Evelyn's side of it. And when you get someone's side of it, you can, it's more easy to accept why they made those choices, right? Mm -hmm. And so because we're getting, she's sort of like the bad guy in this situation, right? You're getting yeah. like this and, but you can understand Celia's reaction too. So it's like, you just feel bad for both of them. <laughs> yeah. You just want them to be able to be happy and love each other, but because of the world they live in. And I think also at this point, things are starting to change a bit more and it's more acceptable to come out. And I think Celia is ready for that, but Evelyn is not. Evelyn's not, No. So then she ends up deciding, like, this is like time has passed. She ends up deciding that she's going to marry Max if he Mm. wants to marry her. And he's, like, fostered a really big crush on her for, well, since since she first met him in France Mm -hmm. or in Europe. So they, they end up getting married. And I actually found this marriage was my least favorite, even compared to Dawn. Yeah, it just didn't feel right for some reason. I I don't know exactly what it is about this marriage, but it just didn't feel like she chose to. It wasn't like so, a farce or anything. It was like a true me, marriage. But For me, it was obvious that he wanted to be with the name Evelyn Hugo and what she represented. He yeah. didn't actually care for her personally. He didn't actually mm-hmm. know her personally very well at all. He was more enamored with the Evelyn Hugo aspect of it, the idea of her. Um, And he, although you don't find it out till towards the end, well, till the end of their marriage, he's been like cheating on her, but being discreet about it the whole time. Mm -hmm. And in the book, she's kind of like thinking, and I know, I think Monique even thinks about it. Like if like Evelyn Hugo is like the most beautiful woman in the world. And if she's getting cheated on, Mm-hmm. then right it's not it about the looks really yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, so, um, no yeah. But it was 
he was in it for the label. He was so gross. I just felt that felt like he was such a slime ball. This guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was putting books away in my new library as I was listening to this this whole seventh marriage mm-hmm. or sixth marriage rather, and I was like, "Oh, this guy is disgusting!" Like he just yeah, like they're on their honeymoon and. He's all, oh, let's leave. Like, the, nobody is here and we should go back into our place and stuff. And it's like where we, it just seemed like he wanted to be in the spotlight instead of enjoying mm-hmm. actual time on his honeymoon with Evelyn. Because she was like, oh, mm-hmm. what? And he, yeah. So they go back and he, he all he can say is like, um, imagine what the people on that plane are going to say. Oh, I sat in the same plane as Evelyn Hugo. Yeah. And it's just gross. Like. Mm-hmm. He's very money hungry, very fortune hungry. Like it's he's in it for all the wrong reasons. Fame hungry, fame hungry, exactly. And meanwhile, and, while she's been married to Max, though she's been exchanging love letters with Celia. Mm-hmm. One thing that does happen a bit earlier on, I'm not entirely sure exactly when it happens in the timeline, but John passes away. He has like oh, a, right. He an has an aneurysm. aneurysm. Or a heart attack. Yeah, is an he has aneurysm. an aneurysm. Yeah, and that yeah, might even oh. be before the marriage no, to Max, but think, it is important. No, you're right. So John dies. This devastates Harry, and Harry becomes mm-hmm. a hard alcoholic. Yeah. His whole character changes. Like, when he's mm-hmm. grieving, he goes from being, like, just, like, a really good friend, kind of, like, seems like kind of a happy guy, and he just turns totally dark and angry and drunk. Yeah. And I think the only time he's sort of almost like him, his old self is when he's with his daughter and that can yeah. kind of, he kind of pulls it together when he's yeah. with her. Yeah. Uh, but for the rest of the time, he's very depressed and he's in this very dark spiral. Yeah. Yeah. It's really sad. So then she goes but, with, she goes with Max. Mm-hmm. She's exchanging these love letters with Celia. Mm-hmm. She decides like, screw Max. I'm over him. He's like, she, she wants to be with Celia. She decides she's, like, ready to be with Celia. She's ready to tell yes. the whole world, I love Celia St. James. Like, at this point, Evelyn has won an Oscar. Um, Celia, I think, has three Oscars at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, like, at the top. She's super rich. There's, like, she's got the Oscar. There's nothing left for her to prove, kind of. Yeah. And I think so, she no longer is chasing fame. I think throughout her whole career... She kind of wanted to always prove herself. But as you said, she has nothing else to prove. And she's just ready to be her authentic self and doesn't care anymore what people think. Yeah. And it's also like this character arc for Evelyn. She goes from fame, uh, like power hungry, uh, fame hungry, wealth hungry. And she gets all of this stuff. She realizes none of it really matters. What matters is family. Yeah. And... Um, love and everything and the only one she's truly truly loved like she there's a few husbands where she's like and I did love him and everything and it's like I it feels more like that love is more of like a friendship type love though like a platonic love like the the Celia St. James love she feels is like that true love like Mm -hmm. yeah Celia is the love of her life and she says that right from the beginning yes essentially I was really shocked when yeah it was towards the beginning my the love of my life was Celia St. James and I was like a woman what and I was like so (laughs) bewildered by that yeah Um, that was the first like 
boom. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, it, this book is not going to be what you think it is. <laughs> no, it wasn't at all. And, and anyway, it was great. But her and Max end up having like this massive fight because she leaves to go see Celia and she decides to leave the letters in her closet. And I was like, oh no, that's a mistake. And sure enough, she mm-hmm. decides, no, I want to bring these letters with me. She goes back to get them and Max is reading them. So they have this huge fight and she's basically like, he's like, I could drag you down like through the press with this and everything. And she's like, fine, whatever. But yeah, it's like, she's not there anymore. She's Evelyn Hugo though. So mm-hmm. she's, she can be smart about it. And so she, uh, anyways, so she goes to help and reunites with Celia. And then she ends up uh, marrying this, she puts out in the story, in the press, essentially, that mm-hmm. she was cheating on Max to make it look like he's just really bitter. So anything. That oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So that anything that. he says, everybody's like, oh, he's just bitter because she cheated mm-hmm. on him. And it works. Yeah. It does work. She's so clever. Evelyn ends up meeting up with Celia and Celia explains to Evelyn that she's very sick and has emphysema. And doesn't have that much longer to live. And I think the reason they were meeting was to see if they were both like serious about wanting to spend the rest of their life together. And Celia is like, let's just move away and just live the rest of our life to Spain. And Evelyn's like, yes. And they agree to do that, which is when she goes home and like officially leaves Gerard. Yeah. Max. Max. And they have this big fight, and he's like, I will ruin you. And she's like, whatever, mm-hmm. Max. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> he does not yeah, ruin her. <laughs> he ultimately does finally pick Celia and their love mm-hmm. over all else, not worrying about what you know the press is going to say about it. But they still don't feel like completely coming out, so they devise another one of their marry a man to cover the yeah, fact that but we're it's together. it's not exactly because they don't want to come out. It's more because like that's a benefit, but it's more because Celia knows she's dying and she mm-hmm. wants to leave all of her assets to Evelyn. Right. So so Celia has Evelyn marry her brother mm-hmm. and he's like totally on board with it all. <laughs> and yeah. um that way when she dies, Evelyn can have access to all of her assets. Right. That is Something I also forgot. Thank you. (laughs) All good. Uh, (laughs) During all of this, like, jigging around of relationships, um, Evelyn ends up meeting with this this other fella, this kind of, like, guy who wants to be famous. He's, like, a driver for her or something. I actually wasn't totally Mm -hmm. clear on this. Yeah. And she is going out to see Harry. And they... Harry is like, I guess, kind of living. Where is he? Why is he? I can't even remember. I just, I just did looked at this yesterday. But anyways, so they end up like coming around a corner or whatever. They're driving, and there's like Harry's car is wrapped around a tree. Mm-hmm. So they, they're like, oh my god! So they run out there. The passenger um, who was Harry's, like, had he had so he had been grieving John. And mm-hmm. for years, but then he actually found someone else and then he fell like he was like, oh, I can fall in love again. And so he was like getting his like, it was nice because he was on a healing arc now. <laughs> yeah. And he was like going to be like in love with this guy. And so 
Evelyn never even got to meet this guy because he was like dead and Harry was in the driver's seat and he was still alive. But when Evelyn like went over to him, she could smell the alcohol on him. And so she was like, Oh my God, like immediately she's all about like the strategy and public perception. So she's like, she made the fella who was with her put the dead man's body in the driver's seat she took her Mm -hmm. scarf she got rid of all of harry's like blood in the driver area like erased the fact that he was in the driver's seat and then Mm -hmm. they they took him to the hospital and at this moment i was like man a cell phone would have been handy (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah but they they loaded harry up in the car and they took him to emerge Mm -hmm. where basically evan was like if you help me stage the crime scene and get Harry to the hospital, I will make some calls for you and help you get your stuff. Think about what you want, she says Mm -hmm. to him, from me in exchange for this. So he's like, he does this, he leaves, whatever. She says, you call me first thing in the morning and tell me what you want. And so Harry, so Harry lost too much blood and he dies. Mm Mm-hmm. And the next morning, Evelyn is just like, this is terrible. This is her best friend of many, many years. So you can just imagine. And this guy calls her. And at first, she doesn't even know who he is because she's just like, and then she remembers, oh, yeah, this kid or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I want you to make me famous. And she's just, she's so jaded by that now that she's disappointed Mm -hmm. because she's like, who cares about being famous? Like, she's like... At that After all she's of, been through. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't seem very important. Yeah. But so she does, she goes ahead, she makes a few calls and sets him up and then is grieving. Mm-hmm. And then we yeah, bounce no. back to like the fact that she's with Robert and Celia and all of this. So sorry, we just had to go back because that part's yeah. like super important. <laughs> well, that part is incredibly important because it's, is the aspect of like the big shocking twist this reveal is, of why exactly <laughs> this is she, like the most important arguably. this is the most important part of the story <laughs> yeah it, obviously her relationship with celia is an incredibly important storyline that threads throughout the whole novel and speaks to who evelyn is as a person but in regards to like the twist of the novel it has to come it all comes down to this gentleman that Harry has fallen in love with and ultimately ended up killing in a car accident. But because of what Evelyn did, putting him, the mystery man in the driver's seat. Oh, and the mystery man, um, she noted too, the mystery man was black. Yeah. And so she put this black man into the driver's seat, making it look like he just ran into the pole himself. And they had both been drinking because, as we'd mentioned, like Harry had gotten really heavy into drinking. So both him and uh, his lover at that point were like drunk and driving, and which is what caused the accident. And then we end up finding out, or do we end up finding out at this point? Yeah. So we bounce back to Evelyn and Monique. And Evelyn says she has this letter she wants to give to Monique. And it looks kind of like it's old and it looks kind of like there's blood on it and stuff. Mm -hmm. So she gives Monique this letter 
and ends up like basically Evelyn ends up telling Monique that Harry's lover was Monique's father. Mm -hmm. And that's why she chose Monique because she wanted to tell Monique essentially like in the letter, it, it, it really says like how much he loves Monique, his daughter. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to give her that gift. And I believe Harry wanted Monique's dad to like leave his family, but he chose to stay with his family. Mm -hmm. I think the letter is saying, I think the letter was originally for Harry. Yeah. And it was a letter stating how much he loves his family. And even though him, the two men have had this like incredible whirlwind of romance, he can't leave his family. His, the love of his family is, you know, the most important thing to him. And he mm-hmm. would never do that to his wife and his child. Mm-hmm. So he was choosing his family over um, over Harry. And then they ended up getting in this accident. So mm-hmm. Evelyn wanted one for Monique to know that her dad did not kill himself drinking and driving. Two, that he loved her very, very much. And that the whole thing was a cover-up. Like, she, yeah. I guess she wanted to confess yeah, so that Monique did. knew the truth. And Monique was obviously understandably extremely enraged and upset because she's gone her whole life thinking her dad made a stupid choice by drinking and driving and got himself killed. But mm-hmm. actually he was the victim of vehicular manslaughter. Yeah. Which is like a really, really big bomb to drop on somebody. Yeah. That was intense. I did not see that coming. I was no. like, what? Holy that- cow. And I feel like if I feel like there were small clues because we do hear we haven't really discussed it here, but we do hear more about Monique's life. So we did know that about her father beforehand. And we hear other things about what's going on for her in her life in the present day. So there might be small clues, but it really seemed to come out of nowhere. Not in the sense that it didn't make sense. It came out of nowhere, but like it was just so well, like the reveal was so powerful. It was. Like, I, yeah. I don't imagine very many people or anyone guessed what that twist was. No. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, at that point, like, you're like, I'm going to, I really want to know, I really want to find out why she chose Monique. And I just did, <laughs> that was not the reason. I mm-hmm. did not fathom that reason at all. Even when I was she, reading that in the car accident, it was a black man. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And I thought all I could think was, Evelyn must be thinking this is even more taboo because it's like not only mm-hmm. like gay, but also interracial. Interracial, yeah. Right? So that's that's like where my mind was at because in those times, like the interracial relationships were really frowned upon as well. Mm-hmm. So. You know, that's 100% what I was thinking too. Then we end up finding out that um, Evelyn, she's in her 80s when she's speaking to Monique at this time. Mm-hmm. We end up finding out that she's got breast cancer. And we didn't mention this earlier, but her daughter, uh, Connor, when she was an adult, ended up dying of breast cancer. So Evelyn's lost like everyone in her life that she has ever cared about. So, mm-hmm. and she is like through a recurring theme we see throughout the whole book is, you know, we see these little like gossip articles and they're never right. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So this whole biography thing, she wants Monique to write her. Not only does she believe Monique is capable because of that piece that she wrote that kind of like got her at a job at Vivant, mm-hmm. but also she wants the truth, her truth out there. Um, yes. And it's never been told everyone's always just gone by like what the media has to say about her. So. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it too, was she said at the beginning, I want no one in the story who could be affected by my telling my truth is alive to be affected by it. Yeah. So I now have the freedom to write what I want because everyone who I'm going to be talking about is Is no longer with us. They're gone. And so. So it's not going to impact their life. And so she she has breast cancer. She says, you know, I saw my daughter go through it. I, like, I don't want to go through that. So it's implied that she's going to go ahead and take matters into her own hands and mm-hmm. like unalive herself. Monique had convinced Evelyn to do the photo shoot for Vivant that Vivant wanted. So mm-hmm. she's sort of getting the best of both worlds because she had confessed to Frankie about what Evelyn wanted from her. But she mm-hmm. also managed to get Vivant something that they wanted too. Yeah, she ended up having her cake and eating it too somehow. I think that really showed Monique's growth as a character because in the beginning, she's just kind of lying to Vivant because she's like, I want both these things, but I don't know how to do it. So I'm just going to kind of pretend the problem doesn't exist. But then through hearing Evelyn's story, she eventually is just like, no, if you want something, you just ask for it. And she starts making demands, not only of Evelyn, but also of Yvonne and being like, this is what I'm here to offer you. Take it or leave it. And like, and they, hoping they people will take it. They And, and they, they do. do. They do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, like reading that, I was like, yeah. Yeah. Like, why? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> like, yeah, mm-hmm. good. You go, girl. So that was great. Um, so after the photo shoot, they when Monique leaves, she's definitely like Evelyn is for sure gonna unalive herself, right? Mm-hmm. She leaves, and she's kind of like fighting this internal battle of should I go back to stop her? Should I be calling nine one one? But she like gives it some more thought, and then she's like, no, I'm like. And so what did you think of that decision of her not? I like that it was something she struggled with for a long time, not like weeks or anything like that. Just like, you know, the next hour or so she's having a back and forth with herself about what is morally the right thing for her to do in that situation. So I like that she really contemplated like what the consequences of each choice would be. And I think ultimately she made the choice that made sense for the story that had just been told. She knew Evelyn probably better than any other person who was alive at that moment Mm -hmm. and knew that ultimately it was her choice and it wouldn't be respecting Evelyn to make a phone call and to kind of step in in that moment. But it was was tricky because you are – she's still – so upset with Evelyn because of the news she had learned about her father. And she's still so angry. And Evelyn even said to her, as they kind of like developed a friendship, Evelyn was like, you are not going to like me. I am not a good person. Like whatever admiration you're starting to feel, you are going to hate me by the end of this. Yeah. She was very Mm -hmm. honest with her. I think that she 
still respected Evelyn, even though in that moment, she also still very much hated her. I think that Evelyn was quite strategic about that, though, mm-hmm. because she, I think, wanted Monique to feel that hate at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think everything played out exactly the way Evelyn wanted to, and she revealed what she wanted to reveal as the story progressed and did it in a very intentional way. She did, because she she even had said near the beginning, I want you to write this biography, and I don't want you to portray me as a good person. Mm -hmm. I want you to portray me like how I am, honest, and Mm -hmm. I'm not a good person. And I think by leaving Monique with this bombshell, sort of leaving her almost with like a sour taste in her mouth or maybe worse gives her that drive to write it in a way that isn't flattering to Evelyn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. It's and that like could also be, that. that could also be Evelyn's way of like repentance, like, like I'm not a good person. People should know that. It's almost like mm-hmm. coming from a place of guilt. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like she didn't have much guilt because she would have done it again to protect Harry's reputation. Yeah, exactly. I think she, it was a regrettable choice that she made, but she would make it again. Mm-hmm. I, I think another aspect of why she wanted her to write the book, and I don't think it's as important of an aspect, but I do think that she wanted her to have the financial benefit of releasing an totally. Evelyn Hugo memoir. Yeah, and it's as like, part of a like, I completely screwed up your life. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. Uh, the very least I can do is give you millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. And in a way too, that it wouldn't be like accepting Evelyn's money because Monique still has to mm-hmm. write the book and she's still like worked for the money, but but still is a gift from Evelyn in, in like that other way that she gave her her story. Yeah. All in all, I thought that this was a fantastic read. Like I said at the beginning, um, this is not my cup of tea at the moment, and yet I enjoyed it immensely anyways. So mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, I think it was a really good read as well. And there are so many things that we weren't able to talk about. So if you listen to this kind of thinking like, oh, I'll just listen to this because I don't have time to read the book. If you ever do end up having time to read it, I would still recommend it because even though you know like the big twist that we obviously gave away, there's still so many amazing themes that we didn't cover and details throughout the story that it is definitely worth reading if you haven't read it. Definitely. Well, that is all for us for this week. Thank you very much for joining us. And we hope to see you next time. Bye-bye for now. Mm-hmm.